Awesome. Awesome. It's good to see everybody. We are um, in a series on relationships. This is my favorite weekend because uh, my beloved Steph, my bride of almost 26 years, yes, is uh, joining almost me. Almost 27. Huh? Almost 27. You sure? This sure will be 27. I don't yeah. think so. Yes. We'll have to check on that. We'll talk about this after. We'll have to check on that. It's been a long time. A long time. A long yes. time. So long we tend to forget, Yes. Right? I'm, I'm excited. She's going to be helping me. And we're going to talk about, well, we're going to talk about romance. When's the last time you had a, a yo-yo, right? They're so much fun. Okay. Now, the thing about a yo-yo is you can't stop it, or I can at least, stop it in the middle. It'll stop at the top, stop at the end, but you can't stop it in the middle. It's either going down or it's going up. It's always moving. And the same thing is true about our marriages, our relationship. You, it can't be medium. Your marriage is not just here. It's either moving to the left or to the right. It's either moving up or moving down. And before we can really have the kind of marriages that God wants us to have, the first thing we have to do is do a little bit of evaluation and ask ourselves, which direction is my marriage really going? Is my marriage growing? Is it improving? Are we becoming closer to one another? Or are we drifting? Because you are not, we are not the same place today that we were a month ago. We're either moving in one direction or the other. Yeah, so in thinking about that question, you know, how do we rekindle the romance? How do we fan the flame of romance? Well, I think, you know, as with anything else, I think we look to where we're going to get the best answers to that question, which is, is to God's Word. You know, God created romance. He loves romance. I mean, he wrote an entire book of the Bible <clears throat> just on romance, Song of Solomon. And, uh, you know, it's all about the beauty of romance and sexual intimacy, and that's what God wants for your marriage. And so um, what we're going to do, you know, is Troy and I were kind of praying and preparing, studying this week, seeing what God's Word said, um, we came across a scripture in Revelations, and it's there in your outline, Revelations chapter 2, starting in verse number 4, and this is Jesus speaking to the church at Ephesus. This is, they had lost their first love. They were just kind of going through the motions, and Jesus is very specific in this scripture in telling them how to recapture that first love. So look what, look what he tells the church at Ephesus. He says, you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. Now, in this, in this verse, Jesus gives three specific things. He tells the church at Ephesus to recapture that first love. And, you know, the cool thing is we can apply these very same three things to our marriages. And so the first thing that he tells them to do is to remember to remember the, the good times, to relive the experiences, you know, how you felt when you, when you were dating, when you were newly married, kind of reminisce about those, remember those times. So we remember, and then the second thing he tells them to do is to repent. Now, the word repent means to turn around and go in the opposite direction. So when we think about applying this to our marriage, Repent means that we deliberately change our attitude towards our spouse. We deliberately change our attitude. We go in the opposite direction. And, you know, so it's, it's choosing to act in a loving way, choosing to be romantic, even if you're not feeling romantic. Okay, so we repent. We turn around and go in the opposite direction, our attitudes towards our spouse. 
So we remember, we repent. And then the last thing that Jesus um, gives us in this scripture, and this is where Troy and I are going to spend the rest of the time today talking about, is he tells them to do the works you did at first. It's simply do the things you used to do. You know, act the same way toward your spouse that you used to. Um, you know, because what you did to fall in love, we have to continue to do to stay in love, right? And, you know, have you noticed it's much easier to fall in love than it is to stay in love, right? I mean, because we get complacent. You know, we stop doing the things that we used to do. And so, um, so we can apply these same three things to, to our marriages. When we talk about recapturing that love and, and rekindling that romance, we remember, we repent, and then we do. And so what we're going to do today is we're going we're gonna to give you five actions that cause romance. Okay, five things that you and I can do to kind of fan that flame uh, of romance. Because these things cause romance in the first place, but they can also cause romance to re-blossom. And, um, you know, if we were going to kind of, um, kind of summarize the teaching today in just a few sentences, this is, this is what it would be. Feelings follow actions. Troy's talked about this so many times. I think you even you spoke about it last weekend. You know, you don't, you don't feel your way into an action, but you act your way into a feeling. So, you know, if you act romantic, you'll start feeling romantic. So, but the, 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 the uh, action comes first and then the feeling. It's never the other way around. So feelings follow actions. So what we're gonna do, we're gonna give you five actions, five things you and I can do to, uh, to rekindle the romance. And uh, I'm gonna give you these five things, then we're gonna kinda break them down and, and take a look at each one. So here they are, the, the five things we can do is attention, and these are all A words, okay? Trying to make it easy so it's easy to remember. It's attention, affirmation, affection, adventure, and alliance. See, these are five things that caused us to fall in love, but they can also cause us to fall in love again, all over again. So we're gonna, you wanna jump in with yeah, the first let's, one? Let's look at the first one. Give focused attention to your spouse. You have focused attention to your spouse. You know, I love talking about this kind of stuff because we can all have incredible marriages. And marriage is, a, is this gift that God has given us. And there's things that you and I experience in marriage that we can't experience in every, any other area of our lives. And, and we all can. It's not just certain people. or it, All of us can have these incredible marriages. And the first thing we have to do that we did when we were dating is give focused attention to your spouse. Look what it says in Philippians chapter 2. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others, but humble uh, your thinking, uh, humble yourself, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. In other words, give attention to other people as well. And here, of course, we're talking about our spouses. We're, we're talking about making sure that we give attention to our spouse. In the early days, you were really attentive to that person that you were dating. I mean, you talked to them, and when you weren't talking to them, you were talking to someone else about them. And if you weren't talking to them or talking to someone else about them, you were thinking about them. And if you weren't thinking about them, you were dreaming about them. I mean, right? You ever been around somebody who's in love? Is it, it, sometimes after a while, it gets a little bit sickening, doesn't it? Hearing about who they're in love <laughs> with all the time because they have all of their attention. Their whole attention is focused in on them. And then once we say, I do, 
there tends to be an attention shift if we're not, if we're not careful or if we're not aware of it. And, all of, and what I mean is all of a sudden, instead of our attention being up on our spouse, it shifts and we get focused on ourselves. We, we start to get focused on ourselves. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul talks a lot about relationships, and especially um, when it comes to sexual intimacy. And here's what he says. He says, the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. The <laughs> husband should fulfill the wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. Can I get a praise the Lord? Right? I mean, come on now. You need to memorize that verse. Okay? That's right out of the Bible. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. What's Paul saying? He says, once you get married, there is this tendency for your focus to be on you, even when it comes to sexual intimacy, that it's about my pleasure, it's about my fulfillment, it's about my timing, it's about my joy. And Paul says, no, no, not if you want a great marriage. He says, you've got to give the other person attention. So the first attention shift that happens is that I get focused on, on myself. You know, what I want, when I want it, how I want it. Not just in this uh, area of sexual intimacy, but really in so many areas of my life. And then what, at least as a pastor, one of the things that I've experienced is this attention shift in men many times is from their spouse to their work. In other words, they start focusing on their work. They start focusing on, you know, um, uh, providing is, the, is maybe the mindset. But the attention that was here now shifts and it's over here. And, and I say that, and that's not always the case, but, you know, I hear that a lot when I, I'm talking sometimes to wives, and, and they talk about how the attention of their spouse has shifted. Many times when you talk to ladies, it shifts to the, to the kids. It, it, you know, it was here, the focus was on the spouse, and now it's all about the kids. And either one of those will cause us to to what that use the term that I told you last week is impossible to do, but it's to fall out of love. It's to drift from one another. It's to move in the opposite directions because we're no longer showing each other um, the attention. And, and I wrote uh, in my notes anyways, attention takes intentionality. So what is attention? And I just wrote down two things in my notes. I wrote, first of all, it's focused time. If I'm giving Steph attention, I'm giving her focused time. I'm talking to her. We're dreaming together. We're going to talk about this later, but we're, you know, recreation together, doing things together. And attention is also an awareness, okay? When you first were dating, there was an awareness of that person. If they changed something about themselves, if they talked about a certain way, if, um, if something came up in their life, just an awareness of what's happening in that other person's life. Once you get married, there's a tendency, again, that shift, and now you're focused on work, or you're focused on the kids, or you're focused on what's on television, or you're focused about what's going on in all the entertainment world, or whatever, whatever it is, but we're no longer having awareness of our spouse. And we can all give attention. It's just a decision. It's not a feeling. It's just a decision. Oh, and I, I, it, one of the things we put in your outline to help is this uh, discussing romance card. Do you see it? It's there in your outline. Did everybody get one? Yeah? Can you wave it at me just to make sure? Or, or if you didn't get one, pretend, okay, like you would like one. <laughs> now, the reason we put this in here is for you to kind of take it home and just have a conversation. Steph and I in no way have all the answers. We just want to share with you what the Bible says. 
But if you look under attention, and I put on my glasses so I can see what it actually says under attention, it, it says, do you feel like the priority in your spouse's life? If not, what do you feel is the priority of your spouse's life? Now remember, when you go through all these questions, don't argue, you know, no, I don't feel like I'm the priority. Well, you should. Listen, <laughs> it, the, it, the, what someone should feel doesn't matter. What yeah. they do feel is what you have to deal with, right? And then yeah. the second question there is, what are three things that your spouse could do that would make you feel like his or her priority? In other words, let's talk about solutions, not just what's not going right. Yeah, so we have attention. And then the second thing that we can do um, is give sincere affirmation to your spouse. Sincere affirmation to your spouse. You know, the quickest way for you to um, put the kind of spark the romance again is to start affirming, appreciating, and admiring again the strengths of your spouse and not just focusing on their weaknesses. That's what we tend to do, right? Especially the longer we're married. We go from thinking about all that they do and how grateful we are to all of a sudden we're just thinking about what they're not doing. We're focusing on their weaknesses. And, um, you know, it, it, it's funny how, or I think it's funny, um, how we can go from, um, you know, when we're thinking things are charming or romantic when we're dating or when we're newly married to all of a sudden become very, very annoying or irritating, right? Is anybody else with me on that? Things that you used to think was charming and romantic are now annoying and irritating. Let me give you an example, okay? It's like this. So are you okay with me sharing yes. <laughs> something that, She's a little too I think, passionate I think I about need an that. example here. I don't think uh, they're with me on this. So uh, it's something you read. Yeah, so it's it's like this. So Troy is very capable of making himself something to eat as long as it does not involve the stove or the oven, okay? He can make him something to eat. I mean, like a bowl of cereal, a sandwich. I mean, he can totally do that. But it is guaranteed. If I'm at home, he's going to ask me to make him a sandwich or even a bowl of cereal, you know, even, even the simplest of things. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, um, but, you know, when we, were, <laughs> when we were dating and first married, I mean, I thought that was just cute. I thought it was charming. I mean, I thought it was just romantic how he thought that it just tasted better when I made it, right? I mean, come on, a bowl of cereal, right? Yeah, but I fell for it back then, so I've kind of wised up a little bit. But, you know, isn't it funny how that tends to happen? We go from the things that we think are romantic and cute, and now they just annoy the heck out of us, right? Yeah, I've got more I can share, too. <laughs> I don't have any. Aw, aw. <laughs> he really does. He shared them all before in the past, like the driving and, yeah, those kind of things. Yeah. Okay, but we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. So, um, but it is, you know, it's so easy to go from focusing on their strengths to all of a sudden focusing on their weaknesses, thinking about seeing all that they're not doing instead of what they are doing. Look what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 11. It says, so encourage each other and build each other up. You know, we all like to be admired, to be appreciated, to be looked up to. You know, we tend to fall in love with the person that, that provides that for us, that, that builds us up, encourages us. And, you know, here's a, 
here's a classic statement that we should all live by, okay? And I'm sure you've heard this before. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to first of all speak to the women, and then we're going to reverse it for the men, okay? So ladies, are you ready for this, this deep, deep sentence? Okay, let me give it to you. Treat your husband like a king, and he Amen. will treat you like a queen. Amen. Yes. Ladies, treat your husband like a king. He'll treat you like a queen. Now, we could reverse that to the, and, and, and speak to the men. Treat your wife like a queen, and she'll treat you like a like a king. Yes. Such a simple but profound statement because we tend to become what others expect of us, right? And so um, another verse here, Romans 12, chapter 12, verse number 10, it says, take delight in honoring each other. There's that word honor again. Troy did a whole teaching about honoring in our relationships back a, just a couple of weeks ago. So we have to get back to verbalizing, to honoring and verbalizing our love for each other every day. See, it's when you verbalize your love, then you start to feel that way. When you say things like, I love you, I appreciate you so much, I'm so glad I married you, I'm so thankful for you. When you say things like that over and over again, then, then you start to feel that way. You know, that's the power of the spoken word. I, you know, I once heard a story about a lady that she went to, she decided she wanted to divorce her husband. She went to an attorney and she told the attorney, she said, I want to divorce my husband, but I don't want to just divorce him. I want to make him suffer. I want to cause pain to him in this process because of all the years he's caused me pain. And so the attorney said, um, he said, this is what I want you to do. He said, I want you to go back, and while I'm preparing the divorce papers, I want you to compliment your husband every day. I want you to, to tell him how great he is and, and how proud of him you are and, you know, just really build him up. And he said, then when I've got the, the papers finished, we're going to serve him those divorce papers. We're going to drop it on him like a hot potato. And here's the thing. He's going to be devastated because once you go back and do what I'm telling you to do, he's going to fall in love with you all over again. He said, so we, we've got this. We can do this. So the lady leaves. She goes home, and she does exactly that. She compliments her husband. She tells him how great he is and all these things. And one month later, she called the attorney, and she said, cancel the divorce. We've both fallen in love again. See, that's the power of affirmation, encouraging each other, building each other up. And so, again, kind of right, right back to where we first started when, we, when we, I first mentioned affirmation, if you want to rekindle the romance, if you want to put the spark back in your marriage, start today with affirming your spouse. Even if you're not feeling it right now, just try this. Start affirming it. Try seeing the good things about your spouse and complimenting him on that, building him up. And it is guaranteed the romance will be alive in your marriage. You look beautiful tonight, by the way. Thank you. You look very handsome. <laughs> and, and we also, there's some uh, questions. If you look, at, again, at uh, the discussion guide, is when is the last time you were affirmed by your spouse? Again, just to get the conversation. When do, you, when do you remember that? What did your spouse do or say that made you feel affirmed? What are three ways your spouse could make you feel affirmed? So, again, we assume things when sometimes if we would just talk, we could work through and not just stay married. Somehow we lowered the bar somewhere where the goal is just to stay married. The goal is to have 
what God says it's available in marriage that's not available anywhere else. I don't want to settle for anything less than awesomeness, you know? And, um, and the scripture says that we can have it. So you have attention and you have affirmation. We can all do all those, right? I mean, this is not something you and I can't do. The third one is give an unbridled affection to your spouse. Give unbridled affection to your spouse. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 3. Let the husband render to the wife... What's the next word? What, what is it? Yeah, yeah. Wife, yeah. That's not mine, but it's on this one. <laughs> Let the husband render to the wife due affection and likewise the wife to the husband. This whole idea of affection. Now, affection is not just, it's, it's holding hands. It's, you know, putting your arms around one another. It's a hug. It's a kiss with the end goal not being sex. All right? It, it, it's it's the, the physical aspect of a relationship without the end goal always being some kind of sexual intimacy. You know, when it comes to uh, what affection really is, it's, it's what your kids, if you have kids, it's what they go gross about, all right? Because if you have kids and you hold their, you know, mom and dad hold hands or put their arms around one another or hug or give each other a kiss or whatever, the, you know, those teenage kids are like, oh, dad, oh, mom, you know. It, it, that's what the scripture's talking about because that's what you did when you were dating, you showed one another affection. And if you didn't, if you quickly jumped into bed, the problem with that is you never have the real discussions that bring about the intimacy that God wants us to have. That's why sex before marriage is so dangerous, because it's powerful. And you will always pick sex over communication, because communication is where a relationship gets deep, right? But with depth comes conflict. It's the only way. When somebody, when two married people say, oh, we never fight, basically what they're saying is we're shallow. We, we, we never talk about anything deep enough in each other's lives that we disagree with. So when, when we give this sense of affection, we're, we're uh, you know, touching. It's really just touch. It's the power of touch. Grab, grab the hand of the person sitting beside you if they're your spouse. <laughs> If they're not, maybe you like to go out after the service, just ask them, okay? Right? But there's power in that. There's power in, in touch. I, I put a scripture in your outline, Genesis chapter 26. Isaac was scared to death. Him and Rebecca were in a foreign land. And his wife was so, um, so beautiful, he was afraid that, you know, they'd kill him and take his wife. So he pretended that his wife was his sister. And look at what it says in verse 8. It says, And after they had lived there for a while, King, King Abimelech of the Philistines looked out of his window one day, and he saw Isaac affectionately touching and caressing his wife. In other words, it was affection that allowed him to realize this is not brother and sister, this is husband and wife. I mean, can people look at you by the affection that you show one another? And no that you are in love with each other. It's a great model for your kids to see that you truly do uh, love one another. Uh, it's like Steph said at the very beginning. Action leads to feelings. Affection is a decision. Again, it's not just something you do when you feel it. Because when you intentionally show affection, guess what? You produce a feeling in the other person. When Steph comes up and she puts her arms, come up behind me and put her hands on my shoulders or, or give me a big uh, uh, hug, man, I love the way that makes me feel. 
I love the way that makes me feel appreciated. That makes me feel uh, loved. That, that gives me attention. If you think about it, affirmation and attention are expressed often through what? Affection. You can't be, I can't give her, if I give her attention and I give her affirmation, then the touch, right, is the way in which I express that because it takes attention in order to give affection. Now, I just wrote this down real quick. This touch that we're talking about is not an insecure touch and it's not a control touch. I've seen spouses touch one another to control them, right? Or they touch them under the table and kick them. All right, it's like, don't, don't talk about that, okay? That's not affection. That's control. And you do see that sometimes where someone's just holding their spouse's hand, but you can tell it's not an affection, it's a control. So we're not talking about control. We're not talking about insecurity. I want to make sure you're there. I want to make sure you love me. You know, I'm afraid if I don't, then somebody's going to take you from me. No, no, no. This is about security. This is about uh, freedom. And uh, it, it's a beautiful thing. Um, when you see that and you, in, a, in a couple, and you, again, it, it's one of those things that just drifts. You don't intend for it to, but you look back and you remember the, the affection that you showed one another when you were dating or when you first got married, and then you look at today, and there's sex, but there's not affection. You know, without that gold, with gold not being sex or the gold not being trying to butter your spouse up for something that you want to do or something that's already happened. It's just, it's just a decision that I'm going to show her attention and I'm going to show her affirmation. And the way that I'm going to do that is through, is through my touch. And, and you can see, again, on the card here, um, when it comes to affection, uh, the questions are, are simple. When was the last time you and your spouse showed each other affection and it did not lead to sex? Number two, what is your favorite type of affection? Is it a hug? Is it a kiss? Is it a holding hands? What does it make you, uh, how does it make you feel when you are shown affection without any goal in mind? Great questions to just yeah. talk about. Yeah, and then um, uh, quickly, the last two things. Um, the fourth thing is enjoy exciting adventures with your spouse exciting adventures with your spouse, that just simply means having fun together. You know, the longer you're married, the harder we have to fight for our marriage to not become dull or boring or predictable. And um, a couple verses here, Ecclesiastes 9.9 says, enjoy life with your wife. Circle the word enjoy. And then 1 Timothy 6.17 says, God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And circle the word enjoyment. See, God created marriage for our enjoyment. He, he doesn't want for it, he doesn't desire for it to be dull or boring, but for our enjoyment. You know, research shows that the number one cause of affairs, the number one reason for affairs is simply boredom. Now think about it for a second. Um, you know, especially those of you that have been married for, for a while, think about it. When was the last time you, when was the last time I, we, we did something uh, with our spouse just for the fun of it. You know, something unusual to, to, to break up the monotony. You know, something crazy, something adventurous. See, predictability in a marriage kills. Predictability kills in a marriage. All work and no play leads to a dull marriage. And see, the problem is um, the way most of us define fun, okay? I would say the majority of us probably define fun like this. Fun is what you do after all your work is finished. 
right? Once we get everything done, then we can go have fun together. But see, the problem with that is you never have everything finished, right? The work is never done. There's always something else to be done. You know, even, even once you retire, I mean, there's still things that have to be done. And so, you know, what tends to happen is, is our spouse takes last place. You know, the fun in our marriage just kind of gets thrown out the window, and we tend, to, we tend to rationalize it like this. Well, he or she will understand. I mean, it's just a busy time right now, but, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to settle down. It's going to get easier. This is just a temporary thing. But a, a, a busy, hectic schedule all of a sudden becomes a permanent lifestyle where we're just doing the same thing day after day. We're kind of in a rut. And, you know, I know that this can be challenging. Even this week as Troy and I were kind of preparing, we, we really had to evaluate some things in our marriage. You know, it's so easy to get in that rut. And, you know, but I want to challenge you today. Even, you know, in a hectic, busy schedule, determine that today you're going to, you know, you're going to start thinking about that. You're going to bring the fun, the adventure back to your marriage. You know, whatever that looks like for you. Maybe in the beginning it's just having a consistent date night. You know, where you say, you know, this night every week, my spouse and I are going to go out. We're going to go out to a dinner or a movie. We're going to do, we're going to have fun together. Uh, I know for Troy and I, you know, ours isn't necessarily a night, but we're off on Mondays. And so for us, Monday is kind of our day where we, we just have fun together. You know, we talk and we, uh, we reminisce and, and just have fun together. Now, I know when you have young kids, this can be a really big challenge. It can be a big, big challenge. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have um, been a part of our Saturday night here at our Cooper City campus? Raise your hand. Saturday night. Okay. See, this is every Saturday. We encourage you to, you know, come to service on Saturday, and then right after service, leave your kids here with us, and you and your, your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend, go out and have fun together. Go out on a date. Now, it's not that we don't have anything better to do from 6.30 to 8.30 on a Saturday evening. You know, all of our staff, all of our volunteers, but it's just another way that for us to partner with you so that you can have an incredible marriage. You know, it's, it's, um, it's just another way to do that. It's taking away one of the obstacles. You know, because if you have kids, what is one of the biggest obstacles? If you have young kids, it's that you have to hire a babysitter you know, to come and take care of the kids. Sometimes, because I remember thinking when our kids were younger that, you know, it can just be more work than what it's worth. You know, I remember having those thoughts. It's so much to get everything ready. And so, you know, it's not that we don't have anything better to do, but we want to partner with you in that. But see, the majority of us don't participate in that. And it's not because we're bad people. It's not even because we don't want to have a better marriage. It's simply, it's just so easy to get in a rut and fail to do the things that we used to do. It's so easy to get there, especially the longer you're married. You know, our kids are older now. We're kind of past that uh, babysitter stage, but it's still a challenge for us. See, if you're not intentional about um, making sure that there's adventure and fun in your marriage, then if you're not intentional about that, then it, it tends to just kind of disappear, sometimes without us even realizing it. So, so what do we do? Well, again, I think, you know, we do what the Bible says. We do the things we did at first. You know, so, so think even right now, you know, first of all, how long has it been since you've done something fun, something crazy, something adventurous with your spouse? And then um, just I want to encourage you, make the commitment this week 
that, that you're going you're gonna to plan something. You're going to do that because it, it, it is so, so easy for us to get in that rut. And then, you know, then the, we wonder why the feelings have died right? Why the, the romance is not there. So I want to encourage us, you know, be adventurous, you know, have fun with your spouse. And then there on your, um, your card, again, we have some discussion questions for you and your spouse to, to talk about later. First of all, uh, what was the last adventure you and your spouse went on together? Number two, what is your favorite type of adventure? And then the third one, what adventure could you schedule and plan right now? You know, like I said earlier, Steph and I don't have it all figured out, but we have been married for 26 or 27 years. And <laughs> you know, as your pastors, we, we want to give you some things to think about. We want to give you some scriptures to go to. So if you've got some questions maybe that we're not answering or that we haven't talked about yet in this series, if you will either email them to us or text them to us, we're going to kind of do a, answer them on, on YouTube, all right? So you can email them to me at Troy at PotentialChurch.com, all right? Troy at PotentialChurch.com. Or you can text them uh, to me at 954-417-8212. And uh, we're going to answer them on YouTube, and maybe it can be at least a thought provoker. Uh, provoker? Provoker, that's I don't good. know if that's a word, but it can make <laughs> us think and, and communicate. Last one is recommit to an alliance with your spouse. Uh, you know, an alliance, the main reason I use that word is it starts with an A. Uh, here's what I'm talking about, spiritual oneness, a togetherness, an, an alliance. We're together on this. And I want to read to you Ephesians. Is it, this, is, this is beautiful to me because this is what we're supposed to be. And this is what the world is supposed to see when they look at a marriage between two Christ followers. Husbands, you must love your wives so deeply and purely and sacrificially that we can understand it only when we compare it to the love the anointed one, Christ, has for his bride, the church. So husbands, you should care for your wives as if your life's depended upon it, the same way they care for their own bodies. And this is the reason, and this is the part I really want you to see, because this is the blessing. This is a reason a man leaves his father and his mother and is united with his wife, and the two become one flesh. That means they're super glued together. Each husband is to love and protect his own wife as she were his very heart. And each wife is to respect her own husband. Marriage is the only place you can experience this oneness. The spiritual oneness that Paul's talking about here in Ephesians can only be, it can't be experienced in sex. It can't be experienced in living together. It can't be experienced in friendship. It can't be experienced between parents and children. The only place this oneness can be experienced is in marriage. And it is this gift that God gives you and I, this incredible opportunity to experience here on planet Earth. I put in your notes, an alliance begins and remains strong with prayer. That's the key to this spiritual oneness. That's the key to this sense of, of, of connection, you know, so, so the idea of a soulmate. When you hear, think about it, when you hear your spouse praying for you, if you do not pray out loud for one another, you need to. You need to. You should because you're missing out. You're going to have a hard time having this if you and your spouse cannot pray out loud for each other. 
Because when you hear your spouse pray out loud for what is hurting your heart, what you're dreaming about, what you're worried about, what you're excited about, you know what happens? The first three we talked about, attention, uh, affirmation, affection, those are all heard in your prayer for your spouse. And if you're not praying out loud, you're robbing your spouse of the first three things we talked about. And, and, and that's why if you marry someone who's not a believer, you're not going to have this. You can't, you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out on one of the most incredible gifts that God wants to give you and me as, as husband and wife. That's, that's why we talk about, man, the most important decision when you think about life on planet Earth is who you're going to marry. Don't date someone who's not a believer only to find out later that you're falling short of this incredible gift that God's given you. And listen, if you're an unbeliever, you're trying to figure out whether it's all true, continue on your journey. But do not date a Christ follower because you're going to marry him. And when you marry a Christ follower and you're not, right, you don't believe or you don't know or you, you don't care, you marry a Christ follower, they're just going to irritate you because they're going to want to be here. Because God lives inside of them, and he's going to nudge them here, and you're not going to like that. And then after they come for a while, you know what else they're going to do? They're going to give your money to this place. <laughs> and that's really going to tick you off. And so what it's going to create is fights. You're going to fight every weekend about whether we're going to church. Not this weekend. We went last week. You're going to really give that. You're going to serve. You've been, you're going to have that. And that is what your future will be. So don't, 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 do, don't do that. And I would even go as far to say, hey, man, I, 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 I don't marry someone who's not growing in their relationship with Christ like you are. Because you will miss the very thing that we're talking about. Steph and I, I want to illustrate this for you, okay? And so, because I think this is so vital, this oneness, I want it so bad for you. I want to keep it in our relationship, that, that sense of being a, a soulmate, our intimacy intellectually and physically and spiritually and emotionally in all those areas of our lives. So we're gonna bring out the cross, okay? And they're gonna put the cross right here. And Steph and I are gonna come down there to where you are. I hope it doesn't mess up our campuses, but you can go with us, all right? So as they bring out the cross. Thank you. Now, I remember the first time that I saw Stephanie. It was at the Greene County Fair. Okay, and it was across like a crowded room like this. It was the Miss Green County pageant. She, I, I think you won it. Didn't you win it? Uh, yes. I yes, did. she won. She is a former Miss Green County. All right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I remember seeing her, okay? I, and, and so you see that person. Now, if you think about the cross as being your relationship with Christ, and you think about the distance between the person that you're dating or the person that you're married to. And you think about the distance between your relationship with Christ, all right? You can see the cross maybe in your life and maybe you believe and you're occasionally, you know, you come to church and, you, you know, you believe a lot of stuff. But there's a distance there. Maybe it's because of the way you're living your life or, or maybe just you're not sure what to do, whatever it is. But as you move towards Christ... All right? And is the person you're married to, the person you're dating, as they move towards Christ, now what, what, what happens to our relationship as we get closer to the cross? Okay? Now, we're going to take a little detour here because we don't have steps in the front. 
But as we go towards the cross, now, Steph, if you stop right there, okay? Now, I'm, I'm close to the cross, but my spouse is at a, as a distance, so there's still a distance between us. But as she grows in her relationship with God, as she grows in her spiritual walk, and she keeps coming. Ah, oh, you made it, okay? Now, now, look at what happens. The closer we get to Christ, what happens to our relationship? The closer we get to each other. That's why when this is priority in your life, this has to be good. It has to be good. There is no way for both of us to be right here and not be near one another or growing in our relationship with each other. That's That's why we're here every weekend. That's why we have church every weekend. That's why we do ministry together. That's why we do Bible study. That, all the things that we do here at Potential Church, we do so that you can reach your potential in your relationship with him. But as you become closer to Christ, you become closer to everyone else who is becoming closer to Christ. Yeah. And that means your wife. That means your kids. I mean, we're going to talk about parenting next week, but some of us leave our kids out there while we're up here. It doesn't mean you don't love them. It just means that it's so easy sometimes to forget the power that Christ can have in all of our relationships. So I want to encourage you, focus in on him. Some of you maybe need to trust him, make him the master, the CEO, the Lord of your life. Some of you may need to recommit, maybe have a discussion, you know, with your spouse say, you know, it's been, we're not where we once were. We love God. We're just not where we once were. We're not serving him the way we once did. Maybe you need to have a family powwow. After the service, we'll have, you know, our pastors up here at the front, but maybe you just want to come up. We'll leave the cross here. And maybe you just want to come up and, and pray with your spouse. Talk to a pastor, not talk to a pastor. We bring even ask, I'll ask the guys, and they'll bring even some of the elements of communion up here. You know, the bread and, and, and the juice. And maybe you, you and your family, just want to find a spot somewhere here in the, you know, the, the, the shadow, I guess you could say, of the cross. Just remind ourselves that when we focus on him, we get the incredible gift of doing life together. That's what Steph and I want for us. It's what we want to model for our kids. And it's what we so badly want for you. And I believe with all of my heart that you can have it. Would you bow your heads? Steph's going to pray for, that, for you and all of our relationships. God, thank you so much for just the the beautiful gift of marriage. God, we know that you created it for our enjoyment. What a blessing. God, I pray right now for those that are here that have been married a long time, many, many years. I pray for those that are newly married. God, I pray for those that are dating. 
those that are still waiting on that special someone. God, I pray that what we heard today would inspire us to to not just have good marriages, but to have incredible marriages. Father, I pray for those that the romance is just gone, the spark's not there. God, I pray that today would be the day that that all changes. I pray that today would be the day that marriages are restored and the enemy would be defeated. God, I pray that that, uh, our marriages would just be a testimony of your love for us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give God a hand. Can we do that? Uh, in just a moment, we're going to read your, uh, your hashtag romance. But I'm going to ask the ushers to come. And um, we're going to have an opportunity to give. I want to remind you of some important dates that are coming up next weekend. We're going to, uh, from 930 to 1230, we're going to talk about parenting from a lot of different perspectives. None of the folks who are sharing, of course, are going to know it all. We're just going to look at some biblical truths that hopefully will help all of us in that, in that journey. Um, I hope you'll bring somebody to that. Come back next uh, weekend as well. And then we're going to do something fun. We've, I don't know that we've ever really done it. Um, we're going to gather on a Saturday morning. What's the date for the, the door hanger thing? March the 5th, thank you. March the 5th, we're going to gather here on that Saturday morning and we're going to give, uh, we're going to go put uh, door hangers for Easter. May get, uh, I don't know, may be exciting. You never know what might happen. But uh, just letting people know that they can come on Easter and have a good time. I encourage you to be generous. It's like the story that we heard earlier. God's doing incredible things in these simple chairs and at all of our campuses. The only reason he can do it is because people like you and me are um, committed to providing an environment in which he can. The Bible says that God blesses me, blesses you, and our generosity. My prayer is that you and me would give for more than just what he does for us but that we would get a point to our lives. That our motivation for giving would be for what he can do in other people's lives. You know, Steph and I, like I said, we have our struggles just like um, like everybody, but she's the best part of my life. I mean, and she has been for 26 or 27 years, okay? (laughs) I mean, mean, I'm telling you, it's such a gift. It's such a gift. And I so badly want all of us to have that. And I know that it's available. So the teaching is important, but the giving allows it all to happen. Let me pray for us. Can I do that? And then we'll read our hashtags. Father, I pray, help us to be a generous church. There's so much to do. We live in a day when technology allows us to reach so many people with this good news they can have incredible families. I pray for those that are hurting, maybe those that are here by themselves. I pray that they wouldn't beat themselves out up, but that they would dream of what could be. I pray for those who are struggling financially. You say you will take care of us and if we're obedient, and I pray that we would be. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so as we give, I think they gave us some here, Steph. Your rom- Let's see what kind of romance we have here at Potential Church. Let's, uh, 
Let's put up uh, number two, all right? Put up number two. Do you have some? My fiance bought 12 flowers, 11 real and one fake. He said, I will love you until the last flower dies. Oh, that's pretty romantic. And then uh, uh, let's do number four. I cried when my wife said on her vows, for once in my life, I don't have to try to be happy. When I'm with you, it just happens. I love you. Aww. Uh, Robert, Robert, <laughs> you can pick it. Robert uh, Summer, was that what it was? We can, uh, yeah, Robert yeah. Summer. All right, so was that, what, what number was that? Number, number five? Four. Let's look at number five. My husband said he didn't want to go to sleep because being with me was better than a dream. Aww. Uh, now that sounds very romantic. Romantic, yes. <laughs> oh. Aww. To you, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Pastor Troy and Steph. Hey, let's get on our feet, Potential Church, tonight. We're celebrating a week of Grambling birthdays, and we love our pastors. Thank you so much for modeling the romance he taught, but for looking so good doing it for 26, 27 years. You guys are awesome, and we love you guys. So let's give them a round of applause and a cheer. Woo! So we're going to extend our hands at all of our campuses, your right hand, as we celebrate and pray a special blessing over their life tonight. So if you do that with me, God, we love our pastors. Thank you for Pastor Troy, Pastor Steph, and their life and the legacy they're leaving, Father. Thank you for partnering with every single person in here to reach their God potential. Thank you for bringing them to South Florida and to call them to every city, to every campus that you've planted in their heart, Lord. We know that the best is yet to come, and we believe that, and we declare that for their lives, Father, and pray that you continue to give them favor and blessing and many, many more years, Father. We love them, and it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray, and together we say, Amen. Amen. We're going to give it back to all the campuses right now, so please welcome your campus pastor at your campus right now. So let's give a round for our campuses as well. Yeah. Yes. Yes.